Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Thursday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on the Giants mobile app and Giants.com. It's all brought to you by Cadillac, the official luxury vehicle of the New York football Giants. Thank you so much for being with us. John Schmelk, Jonathan Casillas with you taking your calls at 201-939-4513. As the Giants get ready to complete their Jonathan Casillas tour this year, <laughs> another one of his former teams, this time the New Orleans Saints. JC, how you doing, man? I'm good, baby. How are you? I'm doing great. So let's start focusing on the opponent here a little bit. And the Saints, I don't quite know what to make of them. Um, they're around 500, much like every other team in the NFC yeah. that, that that isn't the Lions, Eagles, Cowboys, and 49ers. Right. And, you know, their offense has been up and down this year. You look at a lot of their defensive metrics, and they're really strong. But then, JC, I look at their schedule, and I guess we could start with their defense then. And then I look at the opponents, and I'm like, all right, well, who'd they play? They played the Titans, can't score. They played the Panthers, can't score. They played the Packers, who in week three was still a team that was struggling. They played the Bucks, not a good offense. They played the Patriots, can't score. They played the Texans, they can play. Same with the Jaguars. Then they played the Colts, who have a backup quarterback. The Bears, eh. Vikings, that was post Kirk Cousins injury. Falcons. And the better teams they played, they gave up 33 points to the Lions. They gave up 27 points to Minnesota. So I, I wonder how much some of their defense is buoyed by the fact they play in a really weak division and they haven't played a lot of top offenses this year. Yeah, but I mean, they still got their their pieces that made them a dominant defense for, I guess, the, the latter part of the last five or six years. Some of them a little bit older, though. Demario Davis, he's yep. playing still at a very high level. Um, I mean, to play middle linebacker and to have five and a half sacks, you know, you still got some games to yep. go. Mm -hmm. uh, that says a lot about the type of presence that he makes uh, on the football field. You know, he's a sideline, a sideline guy. He's a run stopper. He's a pass defender. I mean, he's a, he's impacting the quarterback. Um, and they have other pieces. Cam Jordan's a little bit longer in the tooth, but he's still, you know, one of those guys that's going to be able to play the run, play the pass, you know, and, and offensively, uh, the identity hasn't really been there since Drew Brees left, and, and that's just to be honest. And they thought Derek Carr was the answer, you know, and, and maybe he is the answer, but this year, 
I know they're not happy about them. When I say they're the Saint faithful, I've never heard the Saints boo the Saints. And the Saints are exactly, they're one of these like positive fan bases yes. that are generally supportive no matter what. That has not been the case this year. If if anybody hasn't watched the Saint game at home, they boo Derek Carr consistently. <laughs> Almost every time because they put Taysom Hill in the game a lot. He's the gadget guy. He's the H-back, tight end, running back. He does a lot of different Wild things. And cat, he can throw the football yep. as well. So they put him in a lot and then Carr comes in the game and they boo him. And I'm like, you have to be doing something really bad to get booed by that fan base. And they're asking for Jameis Winston. It's not just Taysom Hill. They've been and, asking for Jameis. You're, you're talking about Jameis, who is a, a, a perennial 30 for 30. He'll throw 30 touchdowns, and he'll throw 30 <laughs> interceptions. He'll throw a touchdown to you. He'll throw a touchdown to the other team. Jameis giveth, and Jameis <laughs> taketh yes. away. And, and that's the guy <laughs> that they're calling for. So I think they're still figuring out the identity, but what I think they will lean on especially because the Giants haven't showed that they can stop the run, is Alvin Kamara and Williams at running the football. Alvin Kamara looked like he's back to kind of like that old form last game. I mean, it was against the Panthers, so be it. But that I think that's going to give him a little bit of confidence in, in watching the tape with the Giants. The Giants haven't really stopped anybody when it comes to running the football this year. And to give your quarterback, Derek Carr, some, you know, uh, I would say comfortability. Support. <clears throat> I think that's a better word. Support. You want to run the football. Mm -hmm. You know, and Alvin Kamara, his numbers may not have been as it was a few years ago when he had, I don't know, 18 touchdowns, but he's still a legit, really, really good I'll running I'll tell you back. what, you know, last year he played on a bad ankle for a lot of the year, and it looked like, you know, running backs after six or so years, they start to yeah, yeah, yeah. decline. I know we missed the first three games this year because of the suspension. Since he's come back, he doesn't have quite the top-end speed, I think, to break the big ones that he used to have. Dude still gets open all the time on those option routes, still makes people miss, runs through contact and gains extra yards on the hit. He is still a very, very good running back. And he does it in, in all the ways. Yep. You know, mm -hmm. he, He's a great short down in between the tackles running back. You can get him outside. He's a great receiving threat. He's one of the smoothest most powerful running backs in the game. He's very, like, he doesn't look that big, but he runs behind his pads. Yep. He has in incredible balance. And when you tackle him, he usually makes that first person miss because he's that elusive. He has great balance. He has great strength. So the Giants are going to have to put population on him when they're tackling him because it, I don't see, I think the recipe for the Saints would be give the ball to Alvin Kamara as many times as possible in different ways. Yeah, and, you know, I'm happy you brought up in different ways because, J.C., honestly, they use him as much in the pass game as they do in the run game here. You know, on the year, he's second on the team in catches. He has 63 receptions this year. And you go back, and I watched all of his receptions that went for at least 10 yards. There's a couple screens in there. But mostly, it's, okay, we're going to get you isolated on a linebacker in man-to-man -man coverage in the middle of the field. We're going to clear it out for you, and we're just going to tell you, go get open. Yep. Option route. Do you want to run left? Do you want to run right? Do you want to run past him? And he is such a good route runner. And linebackers ain't staying with him. Yeah. They can't. So for the Giants, a team that traditionally plays a lot of man-to-man, they've played a little bit less the last few weeks. I wonder how they're going to handle that part of the Saints offense, trying to get Kamara one-on-one in open space. I do like the Bobby O'Karake matchup there because mm -hmm. he's fast, and I think he can hang with him athletically. 
I still think that's a tough one-on-one matchup. It is. That's why you got to have other things in place to stop Kamara from getting those free releases. Tell me about it. At Talk times. About it. And it would be uh, whatever the call in Wink Martindale's defense, but it would be a hit call in defense I've played in to the defensive end. So even if the defensive end is free or if he has a responsibility, if Kamara or the running back comes to where you're at outside the tackle, you give him a hit. It's you almost like him. the reverse chip. Yes, yes. Okay, it's I a defensive you. end yeah, yeah. hit chipping Correct, the yes. running back got on it. the way out to give the linebacker a little bit more of a, a little, little bit of assistance on a guy who – this is the thing about the running back position. If a linebacker is covering you, He's off the ball, and they're off the ball. It could be anywhere from 7 to 12 to 13 yards of space separating the guy that's guarding him. And it's usually an athletic advantage to the running back. Right. So, I mean, when I played here in New York, we played against this little guy named Darren Sproles in Philadelphia. Oh, my gosh. And he was a nightmare. He wasn't that fast. He wasn't that explosive, but he was. He would get to top speed faster than anybody else on the field. So he would be running by his second or third step. He's already at full speed, and I'm still trying to get going. He was a tough cover. So in in order to help me in coverage, I would give the defensive end, whoever was DPP, Demontre, whoever it was, hit, hit, and they would have to hit that guy on passing situations. So it wouldn't be such a a legit one-on-one, and I would have a little bit of help. And I think that's what you do to Kamara. Because I think he's 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 public enemy number one. Yeah, for sure. Because the, the offense probably is going to flow through him, and I think the offensive success will go on how Kamara does on uh, Sunday. The other weapon I want to talk about, well, a couple actually. I don't know. I'll let you take it any way you want. The Taysom Hill factor, you know, he's interesting because he'll come in and then the, and Wink Martindale just talked about it outside of this press conference. The offense looks different. All of a sudden, you know, you're playing 11 on 11 because he's doing direct snap runs. He's running behind, you know, whatever running backs or fullbacks they have in the backfield. They'll put some big guys in the backfield there for extra offensive linemen. They'll use uh, those big guys as fullbacks as well. When you have a guy like Taysom Hill, what's the key to stopping a quarterback that is almost like an old school college option guy? Well, you got to know, first off, you got to identify the situation and how he's going to be used in that situation. Which is a lot in the red zone, by the way. They love yeah, putting him they, as they a runner put him in, in there the because, zone. right, mm-hmm. because that, that gives you, whenever you have the quarterback as the runner, you have an extra blocker. Yep. You know, and usually when you go uh, defense versus offense in a regular run scheme where they're giving the ball to the running back, there's usually a free person on defense because the quarterback's not blocking anybody. Yep. But now you have the quarterback as the runner. Whoever plays running back, he's now a blocker, usually a lead blocker or a decoy, and that makes it a little bit more fair in terms of offense versus defense, who's matching up against who. That's why a lot of teams, like you look at Cam Newton in Carolina, what they did over the years, in third down situations, in red zone situations, that was Cam Newton time. Same as Taysom Hill. When Taysom Hill is in on third and short, when he's in on the, in the red zone, that's that presents the 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 running game for the quarterback. And it also he he actually plays quarterback, so he can throw the football. And I think that's what's difference between him and somebody like Saquon Barkley when the Giants run Wildcat with him. Not that he can't throw, is that he's not a quarterback. Yeah, he'll five of eight this year for seventy-two yards. So and he, he doesn't do throw it. as much, but he right. can throw. No, he can throw. He can start the game at quarterback and play quarterback. You have to respect that. Yes, you do. And that that offers that for, on defense that offers an extra dynamic that you have to worry about. Which I think that's advantage to Taysom Hill and the Saints' offense if they can use him correctly. Right. Then in the passing game, just real quick 
Chris Olave is legit. Yes, he uh, is. Fast, really good route runner. Old school, you know, kind of split end. He can separate, run past people. Really good hands. Really good player. And we'll see if Rashid Shahid's going to play in this game. If he does, that dude's fast. Fast. And he will get over the top on you, and he'll play in the slot. Michael Thomas, big surprise, is hurt. Right. I like A.T. Perry, their other receiver now. When he's coming out of college, he's kind of more of your bigger contested catch down the field type guy. But they do have some weapons in the passing game, which is why I thought they thought they had such high hopes for for Derek Carr going down there. They just haven't been able to kind of make that connection consistently. Yeah, and uh, the, the tight end, Juwan Johnson. Yeah, I he's think pretty he's, good, too. He's, his, yep. he's a stud. And Jimmy and, Graham? And, come on. I was about to say. One of the guys JC actually played against. Yeah, right. <laughs> Jimmy Graham has four catches on the year. And three touchdowns. <laughs> so, red zone alert. Whenever he comes in the game, is he still wearing number 80? He's wearing number 80, right? That's a good question. Whenever sure. he comes in the game, oh, I can tell you. especially in the red zone, he's going to get the football. So, please, guys, don't let Jimmy Graham score. He's still I know 80. he's big. I know he's 6'7. I know he's all of that. But he's been out of football for a while. Right. Let's be able, let's get the basketball player out of here, okay? And, and Foster Moreau, by the way, is also a pretty good tight end. They too. got he some can good play. And Shahid and Taysom Hill both. Or dealing with Taysom injuries. Hill's tight end too. Yeah, he, he's, he's a tight end. He he's a running back. A he's a receiver. He's a quarterback. You know, he can do everything for them. The Giants have to figure out number one, what are they doing with Kamara on every play? Right, mm-hmm. where is he lined up at? Because Kamara can legit line up in his slot and run every route. He's that good. And then Taysom Hill, he can line up at every position and handle that position. If they put him at tight end, he will block a defensive end because he's he's, he's built different. He's a solid guy. He's one of the faster guys on their offense. He can run. He runs really hard, and you have to figure out what where's number seven, Taysom Hill, and where's number forty-one. You have to figure out where those guys are at every at every single uh, offensive snap they have. No question. And then defensively, we kind of already touched on a little bit, but look, they're going to play a fair amount of man-to-man defense here. They're going to not blitz a ton, but they use a lot of stunts, which is something that has given the Giants some trouble. You mentioned some of the personnel they have. You know, you take a look at some of the guys they have in the secondary. It's a return of another Giants defensive back from days gone by. Isaac Yadam is one of the outside cornerbacks for them, former Giant. Uh, Tron Matthews back there. Paulson Adebo has been a good young corner for them. So they're a little bit younger in, in the back half because Marshawn Lattimore obviously has been hurt, so he's not playing right now. Um, and then up front, you mentioned it, you know, Cameron Jordan, good player. Demario Davis, really good player. Pete Warner, their other inside linebacker, is a good player too. So uh, guys to keep an eye on there when you look at that Saints defense, which is really the strength of their team. This, other than the Cowboys, I think, JC, is probably the best pass defense unit close to New England that Tommy DeVito will have faced this year besides that Cowboys defense. I, I, that, I, could, agree. Yes. I could agree with that. You know, Carl Granderson has six and a half sacks on the yep. year. Demario Davis, and and the reason why I keep saying him because he plays linebacker, but he's I think one of the the only middle linebackers that consistently affects the quarterback every single year. And by the way, he can cover too. It's not like he can't. Yeah, cover. and he's a big guy. He can do everything. Yes, he can. He's a really good player. He's, he's going to be one of the better middle linebackers. You got Fred Warner in there. Uh, you could throw. I mean, Bobby O'Carrick is in that conversation too, but he's on the Giants. Pete Warner, not Fred Warner. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. No, Pete no, Warner's on the Saints. Fred Warner, you're talking yeah, yeah, about. Yeah, 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 right, right. I got you. Sorry, I sorry, sorry. As a comparison, I got you. I got you. Better I got you. linebackers I got you. That, the, that the Giants will face this year. Mm-hmm. Demario Davis is in that category of a Fred Warner. He will make impact plays in both the running game and the passing game. And like I said, he affects the quarterback at a higher rate than I think any middle linebacker in the league throughout his entire career. So they have to do a good job in identifying him and making sure on third downs they got a hat on that guy. We can't have that guy hitting. 
Tommy DeVito without getting blocked because he's a big, strong human being. Yeah, that'll be big on the running backs. They yeah, might have sure. to block this guy. So that'll be a nice little matchup in pass protection, whether it's Saquon or Breda. Can you step up and block Demario Davis? And yeah. can the Giants scheme it where maybe the way they set up their protection protections they assign an offensive lineman to him, and they do not assign a running back to him. I'll be curious to yep. see how they decide and, to handle that. And this, that's on John Michael Smith. There was a game, I forgot what game it was, it was a few games ago, where they had uh, they were like spying the, uh, Tommy, and he basically didn't account for the middle linebacker, and the middle linebacker went free, and it, it rushed Tommy DeVito. John Michael Smith, he's doing a really good job. He's young, but now you have a guy in Demario Davis who's very experienced, who has the savvy to trick a young center like John Michael Smith and give him a look that he's not doing something and then all of a sudden he does something that John Michael Smith doesn't expect. So John Michael Smith, I think this is going to be a huge game for him because when it comes down to when they when they when they figure out the pass pro, everybody heard when they say Mike 56 or Mike 52, what they're doing in the pass protection, they're establishing that middle linebacker, whoever the middle linebacker is, that he is part of the pass protection. So you got the four down linemen, and then you have the Mike linebacker. So they Mike 52, Mike 56. That Mike linebacker is now into the uh, pass protection of the offensive line. I expect Mike to go to 56 every single play because you, he deserves that type of respect to get blocked by offensive linemen. Because when he rushes the passer, he's like a defensive end. He's a big, strong human being that has great pass rush skill. So once you identify the mic, that automatically becomes offensive line responsibility. Yes, unless, of course, he goes into coverage and they have to shift into their yeah, responsibility. Yeah, I got you, of course. But of course. when they mic him, he's, he's part of the offensive line pass protection. Got it. That makes sense, and I think that'll be interesting to see how the Giants decide to handle that. There was another piece of news today, JC. The Giants designate Darren Waller to return, so his practice window is open. That doesn't necessarily mean he's going to play this week, but he's eligible to play this week, mm -hmm. which is something he wasn't before. He was on injured reserve. And also, Evan Neal uh, walked, walked through yesterday. So it was the first time uh, he was actually limited in a practice since he hurt that ankle injury. So we'll see uh, what pace he takes trying to make that return. Though, honestly, I don't think there's a need to rush him here. Make sure he's ready. Tyree Phillips did a nice job last week on Rashawn Gary. So I don't think there's any, you know, Sprint, you got to get him back, you got to get him back, you got to get him back. Obviously, you want him on the field because he's really talented. You want to see what he can bring you. But Tyree Phillips, especially last week against Rashawn Gary, I think has done an admirable job filling in for Evan Neal. I have a question. because yes, I, I, I have an really, answer. I don't really know. Yes. So when Waller, Waller's now eligible to play, he was on IR. And he is still, you are still technically on IR, even though your practice window is open. So right now, is he he's on the roster or practice squad? How does that work? He is still technically on injured reserve, but he's able to practice. Oh, so he's able to practice. So he's on injured reserve. Yes. And then if they do activate him, of course, he goes to the active roster. Then he roster, goes off injured reserve. And then goes correct. to the active roster. Yes. Okay. All right. That makes sense. Yeah, I was trying to figure it out because that's different than, of course, when I played. That was new when they put in you can bring guys back after four games. Right, because IR in the past used to be IR, you're done year. for the year. Correct. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that, that was some of the new rules they put in mm -hmm. when they put in those additional IR rules, which frankly I think was the right thing to do. Absolutely. To get these guys back yes, a little absolutely. bit It'll be a guy, you know, pulls his hamstring in training camp, all of a sudden he's out for the year. Right. It's like, bro, he'll be back in three, four weeks. Victor Cruz. Right. I'm yep. the victor. Multiple times, if I'm not mistaken. Well, right? if his first year, oh, yeah, the that's first how they year, saved right, the his roster year, spot right? by getting him on injured reserve with the hamstring. And that's how they protected from anybody else from getting them, too. Exactly. <laughs>
<laughs> Welcome to the John Settle Podcast brought to you. I'm sorry, this is not the John Settle Podcast. I'm reading the wrong copy. You're watching Big Blue Kickoff Live presented okay, by Cadillac, baby. the official vehicle of the New York football giants. But you should go check out the John Settle Podcast, which is brought to you by Citizens. It's our interview podcast. A lot of good stuff is on there right now. We have my interview with Sean O'Hara from yesterday, breaking down the Giants. We look back a little bit to Green Bay, a lot of look ahead to New Orleans, and we had some fun with Tommy DeVito as well. So go check that out in the Giants Little Podcast. You can find it on your favorite podcast platform or just go to the Giants app. Also, don't forget to join us on Sunday, December 17th at Tommy's Tavern in Clifton, New Jersey to watch the Giants take on the Saints. Enjoy Modelo drink specials, meet a Giants legend, and enter a raffle to win game tickets and more. Visit Giants.com slash bar network to learn more. 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513. Brandon in New Jersey will lead us off. Hi, Brandon. What's going on, JC? What's going on, John? What's up, What's up Brandon? How's it going? Uh, JC, I met you at the game last Monday. Nice uh, to see you, brother. I, yeah. Um, so I got a couple things. I know we're on the Saints, but since I haven't been able to get through and I did want to talk to JC. You know, Brandon, not for uh, nothing. Usually when people say, I met you at the game, oh, it was awesome to see you. It was nice meeting you. You were kind of like, yeah, I met you. Eh, it was fine. <laughs> it seemed like you were a little disappointed by the experience, to be honest with you. Well, you guys are busy. I, I, it was like in between a commercial break. And yeah, I, I had know. to get back to it. You I'm just I mean? teasing like, you, man. So like, yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, so real quick, I, I, I thought the play of the game last week, and it's real re- quick recap on my end, I, I thought the play of the game last week was that Wondell flea flicker, not because it was a flea flicker, because it, but because that should have been a pick, man. I don't know where Wondell came from, how he got over to that ball, but it was just, it was two Packers over there. That's all you could see. Yeah, from Brandon. Fans. Needless to say, oh, that is that—that that is not how they drew that particular play up, right. and I think they caught a little bit of a break on that one. Yeah. Yes. Which is fine. Yeah, sometimes beautiful. you get breaks, and by the way, sometimes your wide receiver makes a play he shouldn't make, that was a great and play. makes a great catch, which yep. is something the Giants' wide receivers haven't done enough of over the past few years. So, really nice play by Wandell, helping out your quarterback, who maybe didn't make the best decision on the play. Or maybe it was. Maybe he threw it a little short because he saw that safety there. Usually you don't want to do that when there's also a defender underneath. I hear you. It was a linebacker, though. (laughs) It was was a linebacker. He did not get his head around ran right past him. Go ahead, Brandon. Well, I know that um, last week in a few of the shows, there was one of the things Paul Zatino was a little upset about watching other games, talking about how always you see these wide receivers making plays out of this world for the wide Paul, there you got one. Hey, we got one this year. He did, yes. Absolutely. Um, and by the way, do you know what drives me nuts, Brandon? He complains about that, yet we had a show last week, and I can't get him to draft a wide receiver in the first round. He's like, oh, I don't, you don't need to draft a wide I'm like, so stop complaining about guys not making spectacular plays. You know what I'm saying? I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, my next play was um, the best play I thought DeVito had all game had nothing to do with any pass that he threw. Um, there was this run with Rita for like 10 yards, and pre-snap, Rita was lined up to DeVito's right, and you could clearly see DeVito walked up, he did a count, and hey, you can get on my left, I'm going to hand it to you, because over on that side, it was just two down linemen, and then after you got past that first wave, it was just a safety for 10-yard run. It was, a, it was a great read by DeVito, great audible, and it's something that I was hoping that our other quarterback had would do a lot more often. I'm not saying he's bad, I'm just saying I wish he would that line a lot better and and see hey i got numbers on this side instead of running into the teeth of this defense how about i just get on the other side we'll run over here where it's weak 
Boom, 10 yards. Now, I Brandon, love- if all he did was move the running back to one side of him to the other, that doesn't necessarily mean that he changed the direction of the play. <laughs> You don't think so? You don't think he just got up there and just said, I have numbers on this side? No, but Brandon, again, I don't know exactly what player you're talking about, so you could very well be right. But just – and and, and, and and JC, you can speak to this better than me if it's someone that's out there. A lot of times you will move that guy from one side of the quarterback to the other. It doesn't necessarily mean you're changing the play. I, it, right? might be, it might be how the play is. Right, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it might be how the play is designed to start on one side and shift him to the other side. So I don't know exactly what play. I will have to go check it out yeah. again too. All right. Uh, if you guys do check it out, it's the thing you have agreed to run. Yep. I think you only have one of them. I got you. Um, uh, the other thing is I have some, uh, and this is more or less a down-the-road type situation, but the formation, the third-and-one formation that was originally a false start that they came right back and did on fourth-and-one, uh, I hate that play. And I hate that play for more than one reason, and mostly that you need one yard. And the, straightest, uh, the shortest distance between any two points is a straight line. So the, the diagonal run all the way to the edge of the line of scrimmage that gets stopped for two yards is kind of like expected. And I hate that call in that situation on the third and one and the fourth and one. Neither, I thought that was just one of the things I think the Giants, and this is what I mean, uh, one of the things that I think the Giants need and to really address in the offseason, I know it's like more of an old school way of thinking, we desperately need a fullback on this squad, man. The third and one, I'm sick of seeing third and ones get lost of two. Like, it's getting annoying. It's been all year, and I know it's, like, in vogue to have a uh, – I think if you would go down all the teams, there's probably, like, two or three teams with a fullback on the roster. But, hey, man, let's address it and get one on the roster so we can be better on third and one, be better on third and two, or third and short, fourth and short, goal line. Like, that's what the fullback is for, road grader. Somebody come up and – People are like, oh, we need a bigger running back other than Saquon. I don't think we need a bigger running back. I just think he needs a lead blocker. Now, I'm trying to remember, Brandon, on that play, that was the full house backfield, so I think it was Saquon back there with Bellinger. Wasn't there an offensive lineman in the backfield with him, too, or am I wrong about that? I'm trying to remember who the third player was. I think it was like Brito. It was Brito was the third one? All right. And Belly, yeah, Brito, Belly, and then Saquon. I think technically, I guess if you want to call Brito a fullback in that. No, he's not. He's not. He's not a fullback. Blown up, and then the whole play is destroyed. And it's like, why can't we just get a little nice little ISO, some old school football, a nice little ISO, you know, fullback lead right through the hole, one yard, man. I'm saying, man, we lost the game because we couldn't get one yard. Now, Brandon, just remember, they've had a lot of plays this year where they have tried to run up the middle on third and fourth and one, and that's gotten stopped too. So I think, I I think they're trying to find the solution to that. Yeah, and Brandon, this is this is thing about this is thing about a fullback too. A lot of these offensive coordinators, they, they like to have guys with versatility. And usually when you have a guy that plays fullback, he only really plays fullback. You know, Bellinger is able to get split out as a Y outside of the, the formation. He can line up Y, he can line up H, he can line up at, at fullback. And a lot of these offensive coordinators, they love guys that can do multiple different things. So I'm, I played against teams that have fullbacks back in the day, of course. And I think teams that have success now offensively, given what they do, have a fullback. Miami has a fullback. Uh, Baltimore has a fullback. And they, they use them for the, – it's the offensive coordinator. It's all about what they want to do. you know. But when you have a fullback, usually it kind of limits to what you can do offensively when a fullback is on the field. And I think that's what – I don't know if Kafka wants to go into that 
that mold. And he has to be a great special teams player too because he's only going to get a limited amount of snaps. So that kind of handcuffs you a little bit when you have a fullback. But that's why uh, the guy, uh, uh, Kyle Juszczyk, that's why he's so valuable because he can do so many different he things. He can catch. They can line yeah. him up at mm-hmm. fullback. They can split him out at wide receiver. Mm-hmm. And it's very hard to have guys that play traditional fullback that can actually line up at different positions yeah. because that's what they want out of guys that are not – primary receivers and primary running backs. They need those guys to be very versatile. And Brad, thanks for the call. I think they like Bellinger in that role too. Yeah. He's done a nice job as a lead blocker, so I think they kind of see him, especially with Waller here. They're trying to find assuming Waller's going to be back, it's a bigger role where, alright, well you can use him as the lead blocker on the fullback. Now I will say on that full house thing, you are, you are, they did basically use Breda as a lead blocker on that, so if you're going to use him as a lead blocker, maybe you put a you know, they don't really have that second tight end that's a blocking tight end back there. Maybe you put Cager back there. Do you put one of your extra offensive linemen back there, the lead? So I see the reasoning behind that. If you're going to use the the complete full house as a lead blocker, maybe you don't want Breda as one of your lead blockers. Though he actually did have a lead block. I think it was on the – what play was it? Wildcat play to Wondell Robinson, I believe. And he, he was, had he was a out really front. nice block, I yeah, But then also when you have Breda in the backfield – the uh, the option to give him the ball is there. Right, so there's some misdirection. Yeah, there's, there's a lot there, of misdirection right? when you mm-hmm. have that full house. No, you're right about that. If you only have Saquon in the backfield with Bellinger and a tight end. You know Saquon's getting Saquon's it. definitely getting the ball, so right. no, that's, a good point. that's the read. No, that's a good point. Yeah. Good point. See, there's, there's a lot of different levels to this. Yeah. It's not as simple as say, hey, let's get a fullback. It's like, oh, okay, when you put a fullback there, you lose kind of the versatility usually unless, like I said, you have a Kyle Juice check that can do so many different things. Yeah. Cliff in New York, he's up next. Hi, Cliff. Guys, how you doing? Good to be with you. What's, What's up? up, Cliff? Um, listen, uh, I heard something on the air the other day, and, and I want to. I think you guys will know this, but I wonder how many fans would. Okay. Um, watching a 49ers game and, and – um, we all, you know, as we talk about our team and where we're trying to get, you know, we talk about in the division with the Eagles and the and and the Cowboys, you know, get, approaching them, and and the Forty Niners uh, also uh, in the NFC. And and uh, when we do that, we're 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 talking about their depth as well as their starters, I assume. And and what I'm hearing uh, on the Forty Niners broadcast is. You know, I knew they had lost three games in a row, and I, and I had no clue why. And they mentioned a player that was missing all three games. You want to guess who it was? Uh, there were actually two players that were missing all three games, I believe. I think Debo and Trent Williams Trent were out Williams. all three of those games, if I'm well, not mistaken. Well, Trent Williams, is, Debo was the one that everybody would say first, I bet you. Right, but and Trent nobody, Williams and, was a big deal. Yes, yes, and who does that remind us of? Give me a break. And Cliff, that's you know, why everyone complains about depth. The bottom line is that... You could have great depth if you lose like one of your top three players. I don't care how good your depth is; it's gonna hurt you at those primary positions. What, right. what are the positions you call those? Those left tackle, running back, receiver. Like if you lose those guys, it's hard to replace an all pro, a perennial all pro left tackle in the NFL. Well, same it's, thing. Edge, fact, it's not hard. Rush. It's, it's impossible. impossible. <laughs> yes, it's impossible. Premium positions. Yes, premium positions. Yes. It's a, it's do we, it's a, it's do we know what tackle, game, defensive end, wide receiver, yeah. all that stuff. Do we know off the top of our heads what the first game back was for Andrew? Andrew Thomas. Um, yeah. I believe Andrew Thomas's first game back. I got the schedule here. I think he missed seven games. So I want to say the Jet game, but I will check that right now. Yeah, I'm guessing he wasn't there for that either. You I got, mean, if well, we got to give me a second, I'll find it. 
He always finds it, Cliff. I know, I know. But isn't it interesting you still mentioned Debo first? I, you know. No, you're right. He did not make it back for the Jet game. He used first game back was the Raider game. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, that was the game where I found out who Max Crosby was because, uh, uh, you know, the speed of his rush, uh, I, I don't think Daniel had ever seen that. Well, and, Cro- and Cro- Crosby doesn't line up over the left tackle, though. That's the thing. Crosby lines up on the other side of the formation. Right, so that was that was a separate issue, but mm-hmm. it was because because on, on the first play of that game, you know, when you're going up against uh, in a hostile environment, you want to get something done on the first play, and you try to throw an eight yard out to Saquon, and Crosby jumps up twelve feet in the air. <laughs> hey, but th- that, it's not the first time he's seen elite pass rushers. He has played the Dallas Cowboys about ten times. And 10 the Eagles are they as fast? Are they as fast? Mike Crosby, Michael Parsons? Parsons is yes, absolutely. Michael <laughs> yes, Parsons is. He is. Yeah, as fast as, um, what was that play you were talking about before, Sproles? I remember him. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, f- first or second step. That's what Crosby looks like. He's going full speed on the third right. step. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, so the other thing was, um, uh, you know, uh, I-, I was thinking we were back to being a good team the way we were last year, where we're a team that wins more games than it loses. And, and the way Daniel put it before the season started, we can compete with anybody. And and that was when people were thinking, well, maybe we can win a few games, you know. You know, no, they're not thinking that way. They can compete with anybody, and it makes all the difference in the world to have that that top player back. Um, with with Tommy, I noticed he's 25 years old. I, I didn't notice that before, and it reminded me of John Michael Schmitz. Everybody was saying that was a big advantage for him. I mean, how did Tommy get to be a 25 year old rookie? Devito's 25. I didn't know that. Either. That's what I thought I saw. I don't think that's true, but I can check that for you too. I do not. I, I mean, he was in college for a while. He was born. No, he was twenty-five. He was born nineteen ninety-eight. That is correct. He is right. Yeah, because uh, that that seemed to be. Oh, he was, was at, the, he was at Syracuse for five years, and then his sixth year was at Illinois. That's why. Mm. Yo, they be getting so many years in college. Well, it's because bro. of COVID. So he, I guess, the COVID he, year they get a red shirt year to get a gray shirt year. That's so like three extra years. He red he redshirted true yeah. freshman, right? Then he played as a red first red shirt freshman, played as a sophomore. Played as a junior, then he had the COVID year, which didn't count, right. right? Then he went to Illinois and played there. So he played in five seasons in college and had the one regular red shirt, um, and that's his six years in college. That's crazy. I think that the helped him. Seven. That yeah, seven. it did help him for sure. I know it's crazy, man. I mean, uh, him, I remember what I was Good like at twenty-two. <laughs> I mean, a 22-year-old rookie, or in the case of Izudu, 21, you know? Yeah, it's not different. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, uh, I'm not surprised we're doing this well with the players back that 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 we've got, and and, uh, I'm I'm glad to hear the rundown about the Saints. I was worried about them at the very beginning of the year because of uh, the quarterback, and I'm glad he's not that that big of a factor. And, And if we can shut up the fans on the first play, maybe they'll, you know, that'll make it a lot easier. Appreciate it. Thank you, Cliff. Good stuff as always. It's loud over there, man. And look, I'll, I'll just say this again. Look, the, what the Giants did last year is they, they only remember they only beat one playoff team last year. They beat the Jacksonville Jaguars. It was the only playoff team they beat, and it was literally a yard away from winning the game. Yeah. <laughs> so this year, what have they done? They beat three teams that are at the bottom of the league. But now, last week, they went up in competition. They played a team like the Packers that are in the mix for a playoff spot, and they beat them. So... Another team this week in the Saints that I would put firmly in the same tier of teams as the yep. Packers. 
You're on the road now. It's a little bit tougher. I think the Packers were playing better football heading into that Giants game than the Saints are at the current time. So I think that makes it a little bit easier, though the Saints ended up not playing very well on Monday night. So I think it's another chance for the Giants to take on a team that's on a similar talented tier as they are and go out there. If you play better football, you can win the game. Yeah. Tommy DeVito on the road, hostile environment. It gets very, very loud in the Superdome in New Orleans. It gets very loud in there. So let's see how Tommy DeVito does. As of right now. He played well in Washington. It was his best game. impressed me so much. To Every week I, I evaluate and I, re, uh, I reimagine my thoughts about him because when he first started, you know me, I've been supporting him. But that's what was really without him seeing him play. <clears throat> and then I watched him play, and every single week he makes me believe a little bit more. And I think you can feel it, and the fans can feel it. Schmilk, how electric was it on Monday night? No, it was crazy. In MetLife. It was very It loud. was electric. It was, I haven't seen it like that in a very long time. And Tommy DeVito, he brings that type of energy. He brings that swag. You feel it from the other players, and you feel it from the fans. You know, and when you go on the road, you go down to New Orleans, and, and I'm not used to New Orleans booing, but one thing that I would love to do when I go to another team was make them boo their home team. That was one of the things defensively that we would love to do is when we're going in at halftime, they're booing the other team's offense. And it's not going to take long for the Giants' defense to make them boo that offense. Oh, if the Saints go three and out on the first possession. Yeah, they're booing their They're getting booed. Yes. So I think the Giants can use that to their advantage. And it's, it's a very hostile environment. And when the Saints have that crowd on their side, it's deafening in there. Because I've been a part of many defenses, and we didn't say nothing to each other because we couldn't hear each other. <laughs> you know, but if they can, Giants can go ahead and kind of get that down and the offense can operate, it'll help Tommy DeVito out a little bit. Here's a question for you, and we'll get back to your call. Scott, you're up next, and then Pete. You know, they have some front office ownership, you know, league meetings going on right now. And one of the things they're talking about is banning the quote-unquote hip drop tackle. Oh, yeah. This is something that people just start, oh, yeah, get rid of the hip drop tackle. First of all, I don't think half the people don't know what hip drop tackle is. I'm not sure I know exactly what a hip drop tackle is. I know what it looks like, but I was asked about this the other day on one of my radio hits for one of our affiliates in Pennsylvania, and they said, well, John, you know, what do you think, you know, if they put this in, you know, what do you think people are thinking? I go, I could tell you who's really not happy about this. The officials. It's one more thing you have to see yeah. in real time. Figure out whether or not it's a hip drop tackle, which I guess it's a grab, turn, and drop. That's kind of it's, the three phases of it. So first oh, of all, it's why a don't you turn explain? Two? Well, I didn't know it was a turn. They said it's a grab, and then they said there's a twist involved in there, and too, then, and then, then a drop. Can you explain to me well, exactly I, I, how you identify this? I just heard the terminology for the first time a couple weeks ago, but then I saw an example of it. And it's basically when you're engaged – uh, as a tackler on a running back or receiver, whoever the ball carrier is, and you engage them and you basically just drop your weight down and you land either on your butt or on your side. Isn't that how you tackle? Uh, you, I mean, back in the day, you were taught to get your head across and run your feet. Right, right, right. But if, if you're chasing the guy from the side from or from side. behind, you can't do that. It, it's, it's, it's hard. I was never taught to tackle that way. Okay. It would be like if – like there's the different phases of how you tackle right. people. Talk right? to me about it. What so you if, you're, if you're basically head up or right a step behind, you're taught to, to put your head across – Right. And then, you know, wrap up and drive your feet. If you're two steps behind, you're basically taught to wrap the legs up and gator roll. 
that was something that that I was taught. Where do you wrap the legs? At the knees? Well, however the you hips? can get them. Okay. However you can get them because so, like Alvin Kamara, he's deceptively fast, right? So all of a sudden you're running, you're taking an angle, all of a sudden he he's starting to increase that angle and you're just going to try to reach out and grab whatever you can. But what was taught to me was you grab something if you're behind him and you just gator roll him. I was never taught to drop. I never was taught that. Okay. I don't know if they're teaching that now. Okay. But also Back in the day, when you had that head-on-head -head collision, it, it was taught to put your helmet across no matter where your helmet hit at. You could hit the guy face-to-face. -face. That was a thing that was, I mean, that was like kind of, that was taught to us, you know, back in the day. It's totally different now. So maybe they're teaching a drop tackle, that drop weight, whatever. Drop hip. hip. Drop hip yes. tackle. To keep the head out of the tackle, to avoid targeting. To avoid the helmet helmet collisions, that are is an emphasis now in the NFL and all, throughout all and throughout all football on all levels. So I think that's a new thing that's been that's being taught, you know. And I know they're doing like a hawk tackling too, whereas it's the same situation where you're like a little bit behind and it's you can't get your head across. So what you do, you get your head on the backside, grab and squeeze, and then also do the do the, the twist and roll. And then you have the Pete Carroll method, which is the kind of Grab and then also kind of the old rugby tackle, right? And you kind of turn them sideways and pull them and to pull the them down. Correct. For me, it was however I can get them down, <laughs> get them down. Like if I'm playing against Marshawn Lynch, the guy named Beast Mode, I'm not thinking about how I'm tackling him. I'm just gonna get him down any way possible. So from a linebacker, then if they, if you're still playing and they made that style of hit um, illegal, where you know you grab the guy around the waist, which I think it's why it's called the hip, right? right? And then you drop, and you drop your butt and your hip to the ground. To your point, you kind of pull straight down. A lot of times, you pull the guy backwards, which is what causes the ankle injuries and knee yep. injuries and stuff like that. And obviously, you want to get those out of the game. I'm all for trying to eliminate any tackles that are gonna, you know, roll up players' legs because those are dangerous plays. You don't like those plays. You don't think, in your opinion, the way you were taught that will have a huge negative impact on a defensive player's ability to tackle offensive players. I think it will. I think a lot of things that has been enforced over the last 10 to 15 years in terms of, it was definitely for player safety for sure, mm -hmm. but it's definitely handcuffing the defensive players. When I played back in 2009, my first year, right, people were getting split in half over the middle. But that made the quarterback and the receivers and the tight ends more conscious about throwing that football. And that was advantage to the defense. Now that kind of takes it away. And as a defender, you basically have to let them catch the football first. That was not a thing back then. You can hit him as soon as that ball got to his hands. And you can hit him anywhere, usually. But then as time went on, it was the head-to-head. -head, and then it was the shoulder to the head. Now it's like he's defenseless until he basically catches the football and establishes possession, which is totally different. It's just handcuffing the defense. Another thing to handcuff the defenders a little bit more. But it, it just the, the times. The times have changed, and you have to have the ability to adapt to whatever they put out there. Yeah, I just worry about another thing you're asking the officials for a game that's going so fast to have to call I'm not thinking about the time. officials. I'm thinking about the defenders. That's another thing we got to worry how about. Do you, how do you tackle Gronk without the hip drop? <laughs> right, right. Because Gronk will drag you yeah, unless you Gronk, drop your right. weight down to the, to the floor. Right, but see, my concern is the defenders. It's not that I feel bad for the officials, JC. It's their job. They got to do it. But there are going to be defenders that are going to get called for penalties here, and it's going to be a 15-yard penalty in the you know final two minutes of games that are going to change games. And defenders are going to get mad. Coaches are going to get mad because I just think, look, and again, I'm all for it. If you can eliminate this and make it a call that you can make successfully and consistently with real criteria, I'm behind it. I'm all for it.
I, I just see even with something as clear as, you know, head contact, that's so hard to see in real time. Or yeah. you got to see sometimes two or three replays. Well, did he get him in the shoulder? Did he get him in the face mask? Did he get him in the helmet? It's hard to see. Yeah. Full speed. And now it's another thing you're asking these guys to see full speed. I, honestly, I'm just tired of all the complaints on Monday mornings about officiating. And I'm tired of hearing it. Yeah. And I know another new rule. And again, I get it with the player safety. I'm in favor of You don't want to have Mark Andrews after the year because of right. injury. You don't want to see Tyreek Hill get hurt. I'm with that. But... Too many phone calls going to get on Monday morning about a hip drop tackle being called a 15-yard penalty. I don't want to deal with it, dude. It's like how many times they're going to take away from football and it still be football. No, I, I know. It's look, and, and it's a very fine balance. And you know, I I, I get it. I get it. I, I just hope it's going to be able to be called in a way that's consistent. Yep. That's not going to be controversial. Right. That's what I'm. That's hard for. though. No, it's yeah. very hard. Yeah, it's hard. That's why I'm not blaming the officials. I just think it's 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 a it's a physical game. And you could only legislate so much if you want it to be a physical game. It's, yeah. it's hard. It's hard. Scott, New Mexico. He's up next after that little soliloquy. Scott, what's going on? Hey, guys. A uh, couple of points, two questions only. This is sort of a question I, I don't quite get. I was looking at the stats between Green Bay and uh, the Giants. Yes, sir. And the most impressive stat to me, was the yards per play. Uh, the Giants had almost seven yards per play as opposed to Green Bay's five, yep. which is substantial. And the other thing that's concerning, and uh, not really concerning, but uh, Saquon Barkley is, has almost 800 yards rushing this season, yet the first halves are always about the same. He averages two or one yard per carry and then bust plays open in the second half, a la Barry Sanders type. What do you attribute that to? In other words, if it was more consistent, because the offensive line is the same in the first half as it is in the you know, second honestly, half. Honestly, Scott, do you know what I think it is? I think what? these defensive players get drilled into their head so hard during the week. 26, 26, 26, 26. There's right. so much attention on him in the first half that these guys are going to do everything they can to slow him down. Once you get into the second half, though, and you see, all right, well, Tommy DeVito's doing stuff. They're passing the ball a little bit more. I think players lose that focus a little bit. And, yep. you know, you start trying to defend against other things the Giants are showing you. I'm sure that's happening to you during games, JC. Right? When you go into a game, it's you can stop this guy, stop this guy. You do it in the first half. Then the other team goes away from him for a little bit. Then eventually they kind of go back to him. But you guys, your focus isn't quite the same on that same one guy. Yeah, it's it, You know what it is, too? When, when you have – there's not going to be too many plays that an offense runs that the defense hasn't seen. So they have an answer for every single offensive play that they have, and they fit it up a certain way, right? Mm -hmm. I'm a linebacker. I'm going from A to C gap or A to D gap, right? And now I'm hitting my A gap and hitting my A gap, and that's my responsibility. I'm hitting my B gap and hitting my B gap. That's my responsibility. Now in the second half, I might be running to that B gap, and I say, you know what? I'm going to backdoor this play because I'm going to hit it in the backfield. And all of a sudden, I backdoor it. Saquon sees me. He hits front side, and he's gone. And I've seen it happen against the Jets, and I told you about it too. When uh, uh, the the linebacker uh, Mosley Mosley yep. mm -hmm. was they literally all game they were on point, on point, on point. Mosley red pull. He saw the play. He tried to backdoor it. Saquon saw him and hit it for a thirty-two yard gain. It was the biggest run of the game. And to say CJ Mosley, you can you knew he knew what he was doing, but I thought he I think he tried to just take a little bit of a chance. And it's hard to be focused for. 70 plays and fit 
every single thing right. So guys lose their discipline a little bit. Yes, and it mm-hmm. could be it could be the discipline aspect, or it can be the guy just got beat by an offensive lineman or got reached out of the hole. Sure. And the thing is about the Giants' offensive line, they haven't really just lined up and just dominated people quite yet. And if you did see that, you would see early runs, you know, bring bring sprung early in the game because if you get Saquon to the second level. It's like he's almost gone every time, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's the thing. And I always say this with, with, with me and Schmelk's watching the games, Paul Dottino, I always say just stick to the run, stick to the run, stick to the run because it's very hard. I play linebacker. It's very hard for me to grade out 100% in the 72 plays. It's very hard to do right. that. It's right. very hard well, to do that. And you're expecting <laughs> that one play, that one play where I mess up, that mental error or that missed tackle – the thing is about Saquon, he's that good that if you mess up one time, he can take it to the house. It's a 40-yard run, not he an 8-yard run. take it to the run. house. Correct. And that's yeah. why I love the, the concept of even if the run is not working, just keep giving it to Saquon because the defense will mess up. They will get caught. They will you know, backdoor play, and all of a sudden Saquon runs for 30, 40 yards. Now it has the defense on their heels, and he can run a little bit more. The offensive lineman is feeling a little bit more, and then you start getting after a little bit, and the run game becomes more pre- prevalent. Right. I, he has seven rushes over 20 yards. I was just thinking, is there any way to develop plays so that he can have a productive first half, which really puts pressure on the defenses on in the second half, to your point. Uh, but that's why I was asking the question. My main question is this, and it goes back to what you said earlier, John. I was assisting uh, Charlie yesterday, and he sort of chided the giant offensive line, but Dable gave the offense, gave the game ball to the offensive line. When going back and looking at the game, they played pretty well. Uh, my question is this. If you're trying to develop continuity, going back to what you had said earlier, John, and Tyreek Phillips is playing well, even if you have a healthy Evan Neal, why would I put him back in the line? And because the whole idea of an offensive line is to develop continuity. In the last three games, they seem to be doing that. So why would I sort of upset the apple cart and put a player in who's supposedly better, but is questionable, and yet this offensive line is playing well now as a group? So I wanted to ask the question rhetorically, why would I want to have Evan Neal in the line? Even if he's 100% healthy, uh, even though everybody rates him as a great player, when my offensive line is working right now, and I'll be glad to take your answer on that question off the line. Thanks again, guys. Thank you, Scott. And look, I think Brian Dable gave him the game ball because they gave up zero sacks. Yeah, and it, it was struggling this year, all yeah. year. And no I don't think you're giving him some credit. But yeah, look, they gave up pressures in that game. I yeah. went back, I watched all 22, and why do you think Tom... Guys, Tommy DeVito had, what, three design runs in the game, right? Yeah. Two read options, one quarterback thing. Mm-hmm. Why do you think he scrambled seven times? Because they were coming after him. Yeah. <laughs> it's not because there was great protection on those right. plays. Yeah. It's because guys were getting back there and he had to run away from them. Yep. So, yeah. and, but the, you take the same mentality that I was just talking about. But the offensive line defense. was better, by the way. They did allow pressures, but they were better. That's all I'll say. Right. And the same mentality I was thinking about the defense. Offensive guys got 67, 70, 75 plays, whatever it is. Let's call them 25 with mm-hmm. 26 pass plays. They have to be perfect on every single pass play. If not, the quarterback will get sacked. Correct. You know, and that's the thing about offensive linemen. Now you got five guys that have to be perfect for 30 plays. That's a lot of plays. That's a lot of margin for error. And on the other side of that, you have a lot of guys that's getting paid tens and twenties, twenties, twenties of millions of dollars. 20s. But you know what I'm saying. And some, the, and the some seem to be paid, in the 30s. Right. The highest paid <laughs> defensive players, of course, the corners and the pass rushers for a reason, because they're that good. They're elite athletes 
no matter what sport. Rashawn Gary, they did a good job against him. Yep. He still had a couple of quarterback hits. And he was, I wouldn't say one of the least uh, defenders, but he. there's other guys the Giants played this year that have astronomical numbers compared to Gary. Yeah. You know, you got they Michael limited Parsons. Him. They limited him. You got uh, San Fran. You got uh, Max Crosby. You got guys that get paid tens of millions of dollars to beat that tackle one time a game. It only takes one. Maybe two, maybe three, maybe four. <laughs> you know, but it only takes one. It's very difficult for offensive linemen to play a perfect game for 72 snaps. Bingo. And that's how you have and, – and you talked about continuity. The continuity, I think, it comes from – consistency it comes from availability and right now Evan Neal has been in and out of the lineup and I to his point if you insert him in I think it would take a step back in the continuity in talent level I don't know but in terms of continuity because they've been playing together you know for what three weeks now two weeks now Mm -hmm. Uh, it's been four you know but I look I I hear your point but the, the Giants Evan Neal is the right tackle for the New York Giants like, that's just what it is. Until they say Evan Neal's not the right tackle, he's going to be the right tackle when he's healthy. That's just what it is. Yeah, and look, this is more than just about the final four games of the year. Yeah. You know, you have to make you have to make decisions in the offseason, right? Yes, and he's one of them. He's one of them. Do we keep him at right tackle? Do we move him at guard? Or do we draft a tackle? Or do like, we draft like, a tackle? Like, like, there's all these questions you have to ask. And look, could you make those decisions and make, you know, calculated decisions if you don't see him again on the field? Sure. And based on what Joe Shane has said, it sounds like they still want to try him a tackle next year, and that could be what they've already decided. I don't know the answer to that question, and I would totally get that. You don't want to make a call on a guy after 22 NFL starts, whatever he's made over the course of his career. So I get that, but I would like to see him get back on the field and see him healthy and, and see what he can do. And, and the Giants are in position right now that they're worried about multiple things, right? You have San Fran, you got the Cowboys, you got the Eagles. The only thing they're worried about is their playoff placement. That's what they're worried about. They're not worried about next year. They don't have to. The Giants are worried about next year. They have to be worried about next yep, year. Yep, 100%. Of course they're worried about if they can get into the playoffs too, but every single game, because you're not worried about playing the Eagles in a couple weeks. You're worried about this week, yep. and this week means you have to play well, and it's an evaluation period for every single person on the team. And that's why I said don't rush Neil back. Don't put him back in there unless he's 100% ready to go. He's got a that. million practice reps. Right. I want him to go in, and I don't want to hear, oh, well, you know, he, it's he's his first game. It's his lit- first game yeah, back. you right. got to let him work. No, no, no. He should be working himself, him, himself in in practice. Yes. And once that occurs, if that means practicing for two more weeks without him playing in a game, Cool, I'm fine with that. And then you just get two games out of him, okay. But make sure when he gets back in there, I don't want to see him hopping around on one leg like no he was in the last year. No way. I don't want to see him in the one game he got back before he re-injured himself in the Raider game, I think it was this year, right? Make sure he gets back. He's a million percent, however percentage you can be healthy, be the <laughs> most healthiest you can be, yeah. and then let's see what the guy can do. 201-939-4513. Pete in Florida will wrap us up. Hi, Pete. Hello, gentlemen. What's up? Uh, What's up, baby? I, appreci- I appreciate both of you and the whole show and, and everything you guys do. Thank you. Um, yes. So a couple things. One is the confession on my part. Um, and then the second is more of a, a question. But the confession is, man, after the Patriot game before the bot, I was watching uh, Tommy DeVito. And he couldn't – he was like a couple times walked into stacks, you know, and, and just – you yeah. know. Did. I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't see anything. So I said to myself, all right, Tyrod is now, um, you know, ready to go. And Dable announces uh, Tommy as the quarterback. I'm like, what do you mean? How can that happen? Now, Tyrod moves the ball. He moves around. 
you know, out of the pocket, who somebody deserves a raise, a, a raise because <laughs> whatever whatever they did, they transformed this guy, you know, to avoid sacks and make positive yards on plays, and it's a whole different. Part. I mean, a whole different quarterback, a whole different person. You know, Howard Howard talked about this, Pete, on Tuesday, show. I'm not sure if you listened to it. And I do think part of it was the way the Packers were playing him a little bit, J.C. There was a lot of stunts and twists up front, and you saw big gaps mm-hmm. kind of open up on the defensive line where he could he sneak through. Mm-hmm. And unlike some of these other teams, and this is my opinion, I said this with O'Hara yesterday, I'd like to get your take on it. I feel like in prior weeks, teams had kind of left a second-level defender kind of close to the line of scrimmage, so if DeVito would kind of pop out a little the bit, Raiders. Yeah, the Raiders they would then yeah. yep. strike and they'd get mm-hmm. him. The Packers, though, were like 7, 8, 9, 10 yards down the field, so when he got past those twisting and stunting linemen... He was already three yards past before anybody got anywhere near him. There was mm-hmm. a lot of daylight, right? I mean, and, I, and so I think that, that was that, part of the difference, too. Mm-hmm. Do you agree with that? Uh, yeah, no, that's I agree. Amazing. I agree fully. Yep. That's amazing uh, technical uh, response, and that's why you guys are good at what you do, because I never would have thought of that. But, um, it's just, it's just a, unbelievable how he was transformed into a quarterback with, that would show confidence. He used his legs instead of walking into sacks. The other thing um, is uh, for the game on Sunday. I think I worry about the crowd noise and the O-line and the false starts, and I'm wondering, you know, it takes a – a third and three into a third and eight, a, a, a second and five into a you know third and ten, and I think that's an important part of the game. Is there anything the team can do during practice or what they or whatever they do practicing that? Yeah, they do. Um, yeah, 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 Pete. They, no, yeah, Pete. They do. And in fact, today, um, and appreciate the call. It's it's a uh, one thirty. We got to roll. Um, they're going inside. Yep. They're, they're not practicing inside today, and they are popping to the max. Chris Pride's on the controls, and he is <clears throat> pumping that music in yeah. there, man. And and it, it de- this doesn't happen. There's no speakers playing music during plays, at least allegedly. Atlanta, <laughs> but there's not there's not speakers playing during plays. Some tell me that's some scars from your days with the Saints. <laughs> I mean, that's what I heard. I heard <laughs> that they were pumping fake crowd noise yeah, into the stadium. Right. That's what I heard. No allegedly. one's, no one's hey, making allegedly. any accusations allegedly, here. Allegedly. New, a um, new stadium now. What, what the Giants do, and all teams do this, especially when you're playing in, in, indoors like the, uh, the Saints play, offensively, whenever the Giants take the field during practice, Tommy DeVito, they got that music cranked up loud. I'm talking about loud where you can't hear anything. And that's what that's what the Giants do to prepare yep. themselves to mm-hmm. play in the Dome. So they're going silent count. They're doing all of that in practice. Absolutely. JC, good stuff, my man. All right, man. That's Big Blue Kickoff Live presented by Cadillac, the official luxury vehicle of the Giants. JC and Madeline are about to record the Giants Hangout podcast. Go check that out. That'll be up later on today, along with another special Giants Huddle podcast, getting a little inside Tommy DeVito's quarterback training. That's a little tease. Go check that out. That'll be up uh, later this afternoon, maybe more like earlier evening, but make sure you go... Check that out. Dom is on that. Everybody, thanks for being with us. We will see you tomorrow at 1230 as Paul and Lance give you their full game preview of the Giants and Saints on Sunday at 1. For JC and I, you can check us out on Sunday at 11 a.m. on WFAN for our pregame show. And then, of course, we'll be on at halftime and postgame as well for our coverage on game day. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you tomorrow.
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.